11 o'clock hour here on After Hours, getting ready for the Sunday slate that starts in less than an hour. Um, some decent games in the 12 o'clock slate, but the 3 o'clock slate should be dynamite. I've always wondered, do you have uh, do you have NFL Red Zone? I do. Okay. So when the Chiefs game is on, do you exit out of Red Zone, or do you do like the like the double TV thing? Uh, it it depends, honestly. Mm-hmm. If there are other like good games on, or like let's say you know Kansas City is is kicking off, and there was a game that's going in overtime or is close, sometimes yeah. I'll I'll keep it up, but. A lot of the times I'll just close it. I'll close it out because there's only two or three games right. left on anyways. Um, and if I'm really that into a game, I'll pull up the score on my phone and just keep an eye on it. I just have a hard time of keeping red zone on. But I feel like this is a good day for that because the 3 o'clock slate is is so loaded. good. Yeah. It is T- loaded. So today's a day that I might, you know, I might keep it up or just have – that like Philadelphia Bills game, that score might get, you know, yeah. I'll have that on my phone and I'll keep looking back at it. Right. I also just trust that if anything really significant happens during the game of the Chiefs and uh, Raiders, they'll go to it. Right. Bills Philly will be one to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, Bills fired their offensive coordinator last week and they showed that they had kind of a surgeons in offense. Somebody from the Texas from the 75, Dusty in the morning on game day. I'll take that early present. Blank, yeah. It starts with an F. I don't say that because it's the Lord's Day. Uh, helping the wife clean the house after the holiday, and now I'm actually motivated. Go Chiefs. There you go, man. Just, you know, throw that daddy up on uh, on the radio, and just we'll get you ready for the 12. Because you don't like watching pregame. Like, I don't need to see Rex Ryan tell me what's wrong with the Bills versus the Eagles. I don't need to see Teddy Bruschi tell me what the, what the Eagles can do against Buffalo. You don't need that. Just listen to after hours until the game start. And then you go right into, you know, what you do all the time. That's my opinion. Um, sometimes red zone streams faster than the regular broadcast. It's so annoying. That's what I found out about uh, having YouTube TV. Like I had YouTube TV for a while and then uh, I had to turn my phone upside down. Cause it's, behind it's like 15 to 20 seconds it was like 20 seconds behind wow my phone would vibrate it'd be like interception kansas city and then it'd be like all right here comes the buffalo bills to the line of scrimmage i'm like i already know what happened (laughs) and you can't not look at your phone right um here's the thing about today's game against the raiders before we get jay bingley in here in about 10 minutes here's here's the deal or here's the thing with this game it's quite simple the raiders are not a good team Yes, in the last three weeks, they're 2-1. and one. They beat the Giants at home. They beat the Jets at home. And they went to Miami and hung around. Still got beat. Still lost. There's reasonings behind, right? When they beat the Giants, they had fired Josh McDaniel. We knew that that was a disaster from the minute he got hired. The team didn't like him. They had a roast of Josh McDaniel where Devontae Adams, Max Crosby, and Josh Jacobs all basically said what was wrong. And they rallied around their new coach who's, you know, fierce and pierce, I think is probably the the narrative they can use. He's got a very, uh, you know, aggressive coaching style. He's a player's coach, all the cliches that fit in there. And they won, had their celebratory cigars. Then they beat the Jets, right? They beat, they beat a Jets team at home. 
the thing about the Las Vegas Raiders is that they're five and six, but offensively they're bad. Like they're really bad on offense. They're 30th in total yards. They're 23rd in passing yards. They're 79th in rushing yards. Or I'm sorry, they're 31st. Can't be 79th. They're 31st in rushing yards. They average 79 yards a game on the ground. They average 16.8 points a game. That's 26th in the league. And they only have a 32% per, uh, success rate on third down. That's 29th. Those are all lower tier, if not the bottom. Like those ranks, 30th, 23rd, 31st, 26th, 29th. Defensively, right? Maybe they're doing things right on the defensive end. Kind of. They're giving up 355 total yards in the NFL. That's 21st. Passing yards, they're giving up 210. That's decent. It's 11th in the NFL, right? That's a decent amount. Rushing yards, though, they're 27th. 132 a game. 27th best in the NFL. That's terrible. Points per game, they're giving up 20 and a half. That's middle of the road, right? That's 12th in the league. But if you look at what this team is versus what the Kansas City Chiefs are, Right? The Chiefs are still ninth in total yards, sixth in passing yards, 14th in points, 22 and a half, fourth on third down conversions, 45th and 45th percent or 45 percent on third down percentages, fourth in the league. Should be like second. And defensively, total yards a game, they're third. Passing yards a game, they're fourth. Rushing yards a game, they're 18th. Points per game, they're third. This is a game in which just get it right. Just figure it out. You're playing against a team that is not as good as you, that you've won in the past, and the last eight times Mahomes has played him, he's 7-1. The last game they lost to the Raiders was 2020. You remember that? Gruden took the bus around the stadium, and then yep, Andy yeah. Reid fleeced on him again, which I don't know if that's a, a slang card. But Andy Reid, you know, he flexed on him. This is a game in which you've had three consecutive frustrating second halves. Three in a row where you haven't scored. I get it if you're winning games 28-0 to zero in all three of those games in the second half. Yeah, you don't necessarily need to score. You're giving up 16 points a game. The ratio's there. You have 28. They have zero. Surely you're not going to give up 29. Hasn't happened that way, right? But there's three big things as to why they're not scoring in the second half, in my opinion. One is the most important. They're not adjusting. Defensive coordinators are coming out against an offense that has no receiver. They're banking on just taking Travis Kelsey out and saying, you know what? If somebody's going to beat us, it's going to be MVS. We trust that's not going to happen. It's going to be a rookie and Rasheed Rice. We trust that's not going to happen. Or we think that it's going to be Justin Watson. That's not going to happen. They feel comfortable, right? That's why a lot of times you'll see cornerback one match up against Travis Kelsey because they don't feel like they need to fret on what is a wide receiver situation. The other thing that's key is stop turning the ball over. That's recipe number one for disaster and beating yourself. Yes, your defense is great. Your defense is a championship caliber defense, probably the best unit in the NFL, according to Carrington Harrison of the drive, right? There's good offenses out there. There's good defenses out there. But as a total unit with athletes and and great players in all positions, the Chiefs might have that in that defense, right? You trust that defensive line to add pressure. You trust those secondaries and those corners and those safeties to lock things up on the outside. You trust those linebackers to get there quickly. 
and Willie Gay and Leo Chanel. And you're doing this without Nick Bolton, your anchor in the middle. So you, you, you can trust your defense. But again, you know, to give it an analogy, especially with the snow on the ground, you might have the best shoveler of snow in your neighborhood. And he can knock out a yard or a, or a driveway in 30 minutes or less everywhere he goes. But if he just had somebody that could do sidewalks while he's doing the main drive, it's 20 minutes, more money at the table. You don't have to worry about doing the little things in the second half, just like the defense. The defense can handle the bulk of the load of the game, but you got to give them a little bit of assistance and a little bit of belief that they don't necessarily have to be great every single time. And halves, people are going to adjust to what your defensive scheme is. But again, if you can give them a little bit of a break, stop turning the ball over after they gave you a three and out, go out there and go two plays and a pick. Stop doing it. Stop doing that. Let there be a little bit of help. Let them be a little bit of breathing room. Like the kid shoveling the driveway knowing, damn, I got to get the sidewalks too? Nope. Bobby's over here with the leaf blower knocking it all out of the way. Greg's just fine on his own. Hey, man, you knock out these sidewalks and I'll knock out these driveways and we'll get out of here clean, collected, and paid. Offense, just stop turning the ball over and catch the ball. Are there going to be drops? More than likely, yes. But are there going to be drops that lead to touchdowns? Hopefully not. That's not only a drop, also a turnover. Double tack points. Knock that out. Take advantage of a team that you're way more superior than, that you're much better than, and your division, and create doing these things. Stop creating turnovers and adding pressure to your defense that doesn't need it. Right? Stop doing that. Just take care of business in Vegas. Be the better team. Clean it up and get back to what the Chiefs do in football, and that is Play good, solid, sound, fundamental football. Because so far in the first 11 weeks, it ain't been that way. We thought it'd get cleaned up throughout the bye. Now we believe it's going to get cleaned up in a four-day week where it was a short week after a Monday night football game traveling to Vegas. Time's yours, Andy Reid. I'm Dusty Likens. That's Quentin on the other side. Jay Binkley joins us for the final stretch of After Hours on a Sunday on 610 Sports Radio. Feels like a good long neck, ice cold beer kind of day for me when I get home. Took it easy last night. I was robing it. House slippers, pajama pants, Christmas tree up. What are you, Hugh Hefner now or something? Nah, I don't get laid that much. <laughs> I think you kept it uh, classy on Sundays. I mean, you brought up Hugh Hefner. You brought up sex. Nah, well, sorry. You told me a couple weeks ago you keep it classy. I try to. You, well, you just you just broke that rule in like you, two you, seconds. You bring out the eagerness in me. I'm just saying, I'm just saying with you in the robe, mm-hmm. the smoking jacket. Mm-hmm. On a nice Saturday night, that's totally... You uh, seem like you'd cute. be a good robe guy. No, I hate robes. Really? Nah. Oh, man, I love a robe. Don't do the robes. Oh, I love a robe. Mine's like, uh, it's like fleece, too. So I give you my my, my wardrobe. It's just a thermal, uh, plaid kind of holiday uh, pants, house slippers with some wool socks on. What are holiday pants? You know, they got that Christmas feel. You know, they got that they got that red and black checkered look. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Sign me up for Slims. The holiday feel. Yeah, f- sign me up with Slims, you know? Kim the, Kardashian, what's up? This man, I was, uh, uh-huh. I've been out. I had to show you my my free, my fridge, beer fridge. It's loaded with. Uh, beer? Oh, oh holiday <laughs> ones. Oh, yeah. I the saw winter your, ones. I saw your shopping cart the other yeah, day. Yeah, it was a shopping cart with only beer in it. Like, that's it. You're. Like, you, that, that's it. It's the only thing I need. Yeah, you're, uh, you're the 
you like winter lagers more than you like fall beer, right? It's kind of yeah. tough, but it's that's yeah, your. Yeah, I'm naked a lot. I like I like dark beers and stuff like that. Winter lager. You say uh, I'm naked. Sam one? Adams. That's what uh, Bink has said on the radio many a time. What I say? I'm naked a lot. Oh yeah, it's true. Oh, I am. That's why he's not. That's why he's not into robes. No. Yeah, I just let it all just uh, just go buff. Uh, but uh, winter lager, uh. Sam Adams, winter grind, mothers, uh-huh. and then. Um, Boulevard Nutcracker Ale. A couple weeks ago, uh-huh. I actually stopped in on a Chiefs bye week. I was down in Springfield and went to the Mother's Brewing Company. Like, oh. I'm shocked how good beer town that is. Shocked. Yeah. I mean, there's breweries everywhere down there. It's great. Yeah, I uh, I do. I've started, uh, I forget what the beer was, uh, Henry Lake, our buddy that uh, is back in Minnesota. He brought, yeah, he he got me, and I. you know me, I don't drink stouts. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of looked at it and, you know, it's a gift. So I'm going to, I have to try it. And I drank one and it, it was okay. It was like a nine, I think it was like a eight, eight percenter. Yeah, so it's a, a little, a, a little bit of a kick, uh, but it was a stout and I enjoyed it. It was like when it got cold for like a half a second in October. And then I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm out of Miller lights. I got a little bit of Casey Wolf eyes going on right now. I should probably try one of these. And I drank two of them. They were he, great. He must have a hookup at that brewery. Cause he came in I don't know, mm-hmm. six months ago. Something like that brought a whole bunch. Oh, I believe and it. Kling took it. It was left here that Kling took it, but the Cedar and I did a whole uh, hour beer podcast just on yeah, that Fulton yeah. beer with Henry. It's not bad. Is it good? It's, you it's it. stout season now. It is heavy stout. And season. if you like coffee, you would like coffee stouts. I do like coffee. Although do you love I, coffee beer. I did have an anxiety attack the other day that I blamed on coffee. I only get like two of them a year, and I had one the other day because I had too much coffee in my system, not enough water. My my breasts were feeling a little off. <laughs> I had to go do like the like the the breathing exercises in the back of the uh, restaurant because I was like, something's not right. Something's with the bag, right. with the paper. No, bag. no, no. It wasn't like I wasn't like hyperventilating, but it was just more so like you got it, you got it, you got it. Um, somebody says uh, Binkley and the Dirty Werewolf this morning. Nice. No more Dirty Werewolf. It's just it's just the dust man. Dirty Werewolf's gone. That um, kind of pisses me off. You did that. That's okay. Well, blame ESPN, man. Well, I always called you Dustman, though. Yeah, that's. Always I play been into the wolf, mm-hmm. but I always call you Dustman. That's always been the name. It's always. So is that what you're going to now? Or you know, Dusty Likens. That's no fun. You know, I went on uh, Fox Four on Friday and I ate a sandwich with another guy at the same time. <laughs> you know, I, it was on at the uh, gym. You were like, "Hey, Dustman." Yeah. See, you're like not dirty world. You're like Dustman. Well, I've always called you Dustman. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I do do the wolf howls and stuff like that. But to me, you're Dustman. You're not Dusty Likens. You're Dustman. There you go. I'll call you what I want. I'm the fan. That's fair. You can do whatever you want. You know, I'm a man of the people. Let's talk about this game against the Raiders. Um, what's, to you, the more eyeballing stat for this Chiefs team? Zero points in three straight second halves or 26 drops on the season? What makes Binkley a little bit more angrier when it comes to those two stats? Well, I think that and the fact that they're the only team in the NFL without a receiver over 450 yards. The only one. Yeah. Uh, that, that's just an insanity. And it, actually, they have nobody over 85 yards in the game. Like that, they're the only NFL team um, in that category as well. But I'm going to say the second half points. Mm-hmm. I mean, the drops, the drops are the drops. And it depends on, you know, whether you see 12 next gen stats at us at 12, 26 is probably more appropriate. The number, yeah. I think the second half stands out the most to me because you want to see them make adjustments. And I think halftime adjustments are overrated. Although yeah. I do think they come into play with defenses a lot. Yeah. On how to uh, control it. Everybody says, well, it's just overrated. Well, I do think there is some overrated to it, but I think defensive coordinators are able to uh, make that switch easily. But 
you know, if you script the first plays and Andy Reid only scripts the first, you know, 15 to 20 plays of the game. Right. You got to have a script for the second half, too. Like, just keep the script on the side and say, all right, let's keep this script. Because how many times if the Chiefs had a lead at halftime, mm-hmm. even like last week, 17 to 7, and then you pulled out the old script, because the script obviously works. Like, the script works at the beginning of the game because the Chiefs look smooth, man. Mm-hmm. They look smooth. Just get another script for the second half, <laughs> for the first drive, because if the Chiefs could put some separation, and right. they had plenty of opportunities to go up 24 to 7. And at that point, that game's over. Yeah. Like, they had a way just to close the game out. What I'm saying is add another script. Do anything you can for the second half, because we've seen it in baseball a ton, Dusty, where – you know, some guys just can't pitch in, like James Shields, can't pitch in the first, second inning. Mm-hmm. But then the rest of the game, you're good. Right. Like, I don't know what's going on with the Wade Chiefs. Wade Davis can't pitch in the first seven, but the eighth and the ninth, lights out. And that's why Luke Hochaver goes down with Tommy John <laughs> yeah. and says, you're in the bullpen. Yeah. Quinn brought up a good point. Um, I usually do. A good scenario. And that is, do you trust this team in the final two minutes to drive down and get a field goal to win the game? or to hold a team to not getting that field goal in two minutes? I trust this team to hold a, hold a team now at this point. It's switched. It yeah. used to be the other way around. On a dime. I used to have that feeling, and it really goes back to a 2019 season that when, when Mahomes won his first Super Bowl. Yeah, he just scored 40. Down 24 to the Texans. That was kind of, all right, just relax. We've seen this movie. Yeah, we sat We've right here in book. this room. Yeah, just let it play out. Mm-hmm. Let the, don't panic. Because the Chiefs had a way. They have that, that John Elway feel when you see them that they're going to come down and win the game. Or Joe Montana. It's Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. You don't give them too much. And other teams fear it. The Chargers have played the Chiefs close to the vest at the end of games not to give Mahomes time at the end. Now, it hadn't worked out for them, but that's their goal and what they're trying to do. But I've lost that feeling kind of. you like, lost I don't have that, that loving feeling. I've lost the loving feeling. And now it's gone. No, like it's gone. 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 Ooh. Ooh. That'd be a good yeah. Can I ask you a question then, Bing? Yeah. No. What <laughs> What will it take to bring that feeling back? Is it just Proof. one game Proof. One game to bring it back? Or or is that feeling you don't think you can get it back I, this year? I think year? so because it was here. But I was sitting there looking last week and saying, you know, you give them a minute and a half, they're going to go down and do some damage. But then when you see, like, MVS's drop and Justin Watts' drop at the end, you kind of lose the, that faith until they prove otherwise. I mean, they've got to go out and have that ice water. Mahomes does. I mean, Mahomes <laughs> – and gave that team plenty of opportunities oh, yeah. to win that game, and they just didn't do it. I mean, they melted down uh, the stretch, and it was tough to watch. And it's been tough to watch with these receivers. I mean, going back to last spring, I remember the NFL draft, we were sitting here going, receiver, 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 receiver during the draft. And the rumor is that they wanted to trade down into yeah. the 20s and get a receiver. But was saying that. Receiver, receiver, receiver. They didn't do it. Nah. And then everybody told me. Everybody told me, hey, they're going to be fine because Mahomes going to elevate the talent of the receivers. And I said, bull crap. And now you're middle finger to all those people that said they'll be fine. And I said, bull crap. They need guys to catch the football. He's the Ferrari. He's in your garage. He needs gas. Right. Um, today, your wide receiver core will be MBS, Rasheed Rice, Sky Moore, Justin Watson, and Richie James. No Hardman, no Kadarius Toney. Uh, Kadarius Toney, they... <laughs> So crazy. They were like, we're going to we're gonna rest him, getting ready for yeah. the playoffs. They brought him back last week against a big game against Philadelphia. Too soon. And then now he's out. He's already hurting it. Um, he was on the injury report Friday, but something else. Now it's the hip. Yeah, now it's a hip injury. It was like a hand injury as well. Like, I don't it just, who's the guy? Like, who's the, is it is it Rasheed Rice? Because he's second on the team in receptions, second on the team in yards, 
but yet it doesn't seem like that's there. Like, I don't understand how the guy's got all these numbers, 400-plus receiving yards. He's got the second most reception. Now he's almost – he's 18 behind Travis Kelsey, which is going to be the way. But, like, what do you have more faith in, that one of these guys steps up and shows that they can be the guy this week or that we get back on track with a Travis Kelsey game? Because Travis Kelsey's last three games – He's been completely shut out, not relevant, not there like he has been in the past. Some of it could be injuries, banged up. Others of it could just be he's bracketed, triple teamed, whatever it may be. But, like, now you have a game in which everybody's like, he needs help. He needs guys to step up. Well, now two of those options are out. One guy hasn't played since week two. And another guy is in a second year that nobody trusts anymore in Sky Moore. And then you have a rookie in Rasheed Rice. And I told Quentin earlier, you watch. They will get MVS going early because what does Andy Reid always do? He tries to get somebody on the path of success when they've been currently on the path of destruction. The script. Guaranteed. You're going to have a play to MVS early on, get him going, get him over that drop. But again, like here we are, two receivers out in a situation where you need receivers to step up. Very tough situation for this Chiefs team today. And the one thing about MVS that drives me crazy, mm-hmm. 6'4", runs a four three seven. I mean, that is like the perfect combination the and Chiefs don't have. never see it. And then you have the drops. It's so frustrating to see it. I think they need to do yards after catch uh, guy a lot more to Rasheed Rice. I mean, I know it's pretty common that people are thinking, give him the ball. He is your best receiver at this point. Uh, Who cares if he was drafted this year or not? Keep giving Rasheed Rice because if defense are going to play show coverage Mm -hmm. and they're going to be two safeties and backup, then go in and just yards after catch, man. Just yards after catch. What frustrates me is Dan Orlovsky was really good last week. He he never was. He was. Mm-hmm. Well, you see, you heard that. The, uh, yeah. the breakdown about Mahomes not being on the same page with receivers. Mm-hmm. And he was spotlighting Justin Watson. Justin Watson had beaten his man off the line of scrimmage. And the play called for a deep post that ran toward the middle of the field, right where the safety was of the Eagles, right? Yeah. It's exactly where he ran. Even though he had beat his man, a nine-rounder vertical straight down the field, and he's gone, man. Yeah. He's wide open and gone. But instead, he breaks it off and goes right to the damn safety of the Eagles. That's the stuff like Kelsey and when Tyreek Hill is here, they realize, okay, let me do something else. And Mahomes waits for it. Uh-huh. Like he waits for these receivers to kind of make their own decision. He is the least sacked quarterback in the NFL, so he does get time back in the pocket. Just wait for your break. But he, the receivers have to get on the same page. And Justin Watson should know better because he was with Tom Brady. He's been here now for a couple of years. He's an experienced guy in the NFL. This is a rookie. Yeah. He should have this down by now. It's Jay Binkley. I'm Dusty Likens. Quentin as well. Binkley, the fun segment comes up next. College football was great last night. I wish there was red zone for college football because I had to do it myself. Uh, that's a clean uh, statement. But on the other side, we'll get into what college football was yesterday and what the future holds moving forward for the three local teams plus the college football playoffs. And we'll get to some of the year predictions on where bowl games might be. Jay Binkley, Dusty Likens, After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. Back here on After Hours, Dusty Likens, Jay Binkley, Quentin with you as well. As we uh, dive into this uh, Sunday slate, before we do that, Binkley, I want to uh, I want to kind of talk about what was yesterday. I thought it was an interesting game or a, an interesting slate in college football yesterday. Is uh, the three locals: KU, Cincinnati, K State, Iowa State, Mizzou, and Arkansas. Two of which kind of handled business. We obviously got a fun game in the K State Iowa State game. I always love snow games. Snow games are the best. Plus, it was nice because obviously Missouri side, Lee Summit, I got to see what was coming our way. Um, and that snow was a little bit heavier than I thought we expected. But that Iowa State-K-State game, quite frustrating if you're a Grant Nicholson person or you're an EMA <laughs> fan of some sort. What if Grant went? Uh, 
He's got season tickets. I think the weather might have kept him inside. Mm-hmm. But I I don't know, man. Um, what happened? It was one of the weirdest games you will ever see. I mean, you look at the box score. A lot of times yeah. box scores do lie. Um, Iowa State had 10 first downs. Kansas State had three times as many, 32. Mm-hmm. Time of possession, Kansas State had the ball for 42 minutes. Iowa State, 17 minutes. You say, all right, snowing out there. You're grinding it. It just didn't happen. No. And then when you look at the touchdowns, um, uh, Abu Sama, who was the third string running back for Iowa State, who had had a 110-yard game on like six carries, so he's right. an explosive player. But that's it. The only time he's been over 100 yards, their top two running backs didn't make the trip. But he's the first since Adrian Peterson in the conference to have two rushing touchdowns of 70-plus yards uh-huh. in a game. But uh, only the seventh player since 96 with two 70-plus yard runs. But he was incredible. Uh, I mean, just taking off 71-yard touchdown, 77-yard, 60-yard touchdown. Now, I, I do think Snow ate it a little bit. Sure. Because you're out there in the snow. You're going forward. You know where you're going. And yeah. he was able to get him. But this guy's got some wheels. I mean, I do think it would happen uh, for him on a dry surface. I do think that that's what uh, did help him out uh-huh. a little bit. But doesn't matter. Uh, he was nails, and Iowa State found a way to win uh, with the running back having 17 yards of carry. Yeah, it was just – they showed, like, the video I've seen all over Twitter of just, like, lack of tackling or something like that. But, look, it's – you know, you move on to other teams, too. You look at, you know, KU. They handle business against Cincinnati. Cincinnati's not a good football team. But KU 8-4, and four, K-State 8-4, and four, Missouri 10-2. and two. This is the best this has ever been locally from a college football standpoint. No, it has. And you see the building blocks. I mean, Kansas mm-hmm. State is not going to go anywhere. Avery Johnson will take over next year, and they'll be just fine. Kansas is on a great trajectory because it doesn't matter, like, who's being played quarterback for them yeah. uh, yesterday. Did not Cole Ballard uh, the week before, but they just found a way to stay and remain competitive, even against that Kansas State when Cole Ballard mm-hmm. is the starter. The Big 12 preseason player of the year didn't even play much for Kansas this year. Right. Daniels at all. No. So impressive. But he's back. But the, he is coming back. But the bottom line is the score for Kansas, you know, putting up 49 points like they did, Kansas usually typically like right about there, you know, be like 27, 24, something like that. Or, right. You know, they lose those games. But they're hammering teams. They're mm-hmm. not just beating teams. They're hammering teams. And that, uh, that goes a long way uh, for Lance Leipold and building that program that he's doing. And as far as Missouri's concerned, what can you say? Yeah. Can we talk about, about that for a second? Well, what can you say about the job Eli Drinkwitz is doing? They're the only school ever mm-hmm. to have a uh, quarterback of the year award, Doak Walker award and the top receiver being a finalist. Luther Burden uh, won't get it. It'll probably be Marvin Harrison jr. But to have all three finalists from one school is insane. Um, what's your prediction on where Mizzou plays their bowl? Is it peach bowl versus Penn state? I think it's going to be the Cotton Bowl versus Texas. Versus Texas? I think it's going to be the New Year's Six game. It'll be uh, Cotton Bowl, and I think it'll be Texas. They play that on the 29th uh, this year uh, down in Jerry World. The Cotton Bowl is not at the Cotton Bowl. They've been playing it uh, where uh, since like 11 or 12, they've been playing where the Cowboys mm-hmm. play. But it's great recruiting around, and I think they'll get a shot at the Longhorns, their future SEC opponent. I was going to say, that's kind of interesting, too, because it's uh, it kind of sets up the script for what's coming to the SEC Obviously, Texas leaving the Big 12. A lot of teams coming into the Big 12. Utah, obviously, Arizona, Arizona State, um, among others. Although but, Texas still could find a way to get in the playoffs. It's going to be tough, but they could. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, you go outside the locals. How about that Iron Bowl finish? 
Like, how are they only blitzing two guys against a quarterback who had previously fumbled a snap, which was terrible. He should just picked it up and thrown the ball away, but he, he falls on it and then throws a pick. And then they blitz two in the final play of the game, fourth and forever, fourth. And I think it was 29 or 30. And he throws a, a, a dime in the back of the corner of the end zone, 10 year anniversary of the kick six and Alabama wins that way. What a finish is the statement said afterwards. Usually these things go against him because Auburn's right. got some kind of fluky play, but that's these rivalries, man. This is what happens. Team step up this Auburn team. I know they have six wins. They were soundly beaten at home 31 to 10 the week before New Mexico state. Right. He's really not you know, having great. a good year. No, they're having a good year with Jerry kill, but the fact that they went into Auburn and beat him yeah. like that, uh, a little bit surprised, but these, that's the way these games go. I mean, the Washington, Washington state game was like this. Georgia, Georgia tech was probably a lot closer than what Georgia wanted that 31 to 23. So rivalry games do come down to this, but yeah, what a shocker um, that that was. I thought Auburn, I mean, they had that game. They had that game in the bag and that would have ruined any chance for Alabama, of course, to make the playoffs. Now, a convincing win over Georgia. All of a sudden, you're talking about them in the playoffs, right? And then the other big one was the battle of the Big e, of the Big Ten, Michigan, Ohio State. Is are they really going to fire their head coach? Because right. that's right. They're, they're, and I don't mean to cut you off. I apologize for that. But like, you have to be successful, which they are. But the other thing too is that like the script has been reversed. Remember when Jim couldn't beat Ohio State and they lost three in a row, and like Harbaugh's going to get fired. They're going to fire Harbaugh because it matters about like eight straight. It, it, it matters about this game, like Ohio state, Michigan. It matters about that game. When you look at this, are they really going to fire him? Well, the bottom line is neither coach is very good against the other Jim Harbaugh's record is two and five against Ohio state. Jim Harbaugh didn't coach in that game. Ryan day one and three now against Michigan, right? But he's 40 and now against everybody else. That's what's weird. It's insane. And the fact is, but this, this is the one that matters. This is the game that mattered all the things that Michigan had going against them this year, you know, playing at home that us against the world mentality, like that has worked out for Michigan. It's worked out really well for Michigan, but oh man, all the first round talent right. on Ohio state, best wide receiver in the country. I mean, I know that Marvin Harrison jr. Five for one eighteen and a touchdown. I would have been loading him up five catches. He would at least had 10, man. Yeah. That's the best receiver in the country. He gets the football in a big game like that. What's your prediction for the final four? Um, I think Michigan takes care of business against Iowa. That's your one. Uh, Georgia, I would put there as two. I think Oregon, which is funny because Washington beat Oregon, but yet mm -hmm. they're seven and a half point underdogs the second time around because Oregon's right. playing at, at a different level. I, I think Oregon is in there as well. And I think Florida State, um, I think they find a way to get in there, even with other quarterback Jordan Travis. So I think that's interesting that you say that because I have a follow-up question with that. Maybe, I mean, I, 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 hate, I hate that. I hate that for him, but it yeah. could happen. But Georgia, uh, Michigan, uh, Oregon, Florida State, unless there's an argument, and somebody like Texas, you know, sneaks their way in. Who knows? I don't. You know this more than I do. Does the committee factor in that Travis is out, and that it's like if you put Florida State in there and they go play, who's the number one overall team? Michigan. They'd be the number one. Or is it Georgia? Georgia is now, but Michigan's going to have that nice win over number two. So again, let's say it's let's say Georgia's the number one and Florida State's the four. The committee has to know that game will be a blowout. And they, Boo Corrigan, who heads up that committee, said that it didn't matter. It, it has it, to. But going forward, it does because if your coach isn't going to coach the rest of the year, like these things, they take into consideration. Now, I think they take into consideration the next meeting they have, the final meeting uh, this coming weekend. Uh, but they said they didn't take that into consideration, and they had to. Uh, without Jordan Travis, but they just keep winning. 
And they've got big quality wins this year, but the you know the backup quarterback comes in. We've seen in college football sometimes the backups better than the starter. So you have Mizzou versus Texas. You're you're pretty happy. Mizzou versus Texas. Who wins that game? I think Mizzou does. Do they have a do they have a Heisman candidate in that running back in Schrader? Eli really sold it on the end of that game. Well, Eli did. I, I Which don't, he has to. That's your head coach's job. I, I don't think so. I mean, Cody's far enough back in the uh, in the Heisman odds. I think it's uh, Daniel Bo Nix to, to lose or, or Jaden Daniels because yeah. he's put up video game numbers. Better numbers than anybody. It's pretty disgusting. Bo Nix is 37 years old, so I hope he doesn't get it. Coming and up Michael playing, Penix will be up there, too. Yeah, yeah. It what depends else? on who wins that game. The loser of that game is out of the uh, Heisman race, in my opinion. No doubt about it. Jay Binkley, Quentin, Dusty Leggins with you. We wrap up and get into the Sunday slate on the other side and wrap up the after-hours show here on 610 Sports Radio on a Sunday. We'll be right back. I know he's been a good friend of mine. But lately something's changed. It ain't hard to define. All right, we just talked about it. The uh, championship slate Friday, December 1st. You get Oregon, Washington. So that should be interesting. That'll be going on at 7 p.m. I'll be doing after hours that night during the start of that game. Dan Lanning, who got his start coaching at Park Hill South. Park Hill South. And then just completely buried Deion Sanders this year. Um, Saturday, you get Oklahoma State, Texas. Georgia, Alabama, Louisville, Florida State, Michigan, Iowa. You want to guess what that Michigan, Iowa State or that Michigan, Iowa over under is? I would say at least 30. Okay. I mean, mean, the record is 24 and a half. What is it? Uh, Let's see here. Next week, over unders, the total is 35 and a half. 35 and a half. And Michigan is favored by 23. Okay. You go on. Plus 23 Iowa or under 35 and a half on that? That's the tough one, right? I can see 27 to 3 score, man. Total of 30 points. Yeah, so we're going under again? Yeah, we have to, yeah. Because Michigan doesn't really do anything other than run the football, right? Well, with Harbaugh, J.G. McCarthy does fling it around a little bit. A little bit. But uh, the numbers have been down with Harbaugh out. So we talked about. Even though it's the same offensive coordinator as the head coach. So. Right. We teased the NFL slate, which I want to get into today because I know you and I are both really happy to uh, um, get NFL Sunday back. Obviously, it's uh, it's interesting uh, that it seems like football's been going on for the entire week. Three games on Thursday, a game on Friday, which was new this year. Um, big AFC South matchup starting the game, starting the day off in about nine minutes is Jacksonville at Houston. Houston wins this game. They're the front runner in the AFC South. And the interesting storyline in this is, is C.J. Stroud better than Trevor Lawrence? And also, C.J. Stroud, if he's leading the division, he's obviously got rookie of the year locked up. It's over. But if he... 263 yards and he passes Justin Herbert through 11 games. 11 games. And if C.J. Stroud wins this game, because the last time they won this game, they had their fullback take a kickoff return back, if you remember that, like week three. Um, If C.J. Stroud wins this game, where's he at in the MVP ranks? Top three? I don't think top three. Just, top five? Yeah. Because what, your top three right now are Hurts, Lamar, Mahomes, McCaffrey, yeah. and CJ? NFL MVP odds. Tyreek's got to be up there probably. But if Tyreek's up there, A.J. Brown's got to be up there. I mean, he's got to be there. Ken Allen actually has more catches than Tyreek this year. Not many yards, though. Not as many yards. But I think if C.J. Stroud is winning the AFC South in a year where they drafted very well, Houston has absolutely won the draft. Tank Dell, FanDuel is Hurts, Jackson, Mahomes, Tua, Dak, Purdy. Okay. I think CJ goes above Purdy and Dak uh, if he gets a, would, if he's leading this division. Uh, 100%. I'd and put Purdy's him there. been good, right? But I mean, he's got a loaded surrounding. Yeah, he also cast. has three straight games where he Like lost. to me, McCaffrey should be above 
Purdy in that regard. Well, the one thing about Purdy, too, is, I mean, there weren't exactly MVP moments at Minnesota game. Mm-hmm. Went through two picks down the stretch to the same guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was that was not an MVP Not moment. great. Other games of note, another divisional round uh, of games, Saints at Falcons. Falcons come off the bye. Their head coach sucks. I can't stand the Falcons head coach. I just call him old boy because I don't like people. That's who I call old boys, people I don't like. Like, oh, you over there and hang out with old boy? That's fine. I got the Saints plus one on this one, even though it's uh, two points now, I believe now, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Saints five and five. Falcons are uh, four and six. The winner of this is in first place, the AFC South or the NFC South. Bad division. But Terrible division. NFC or the Atlanta Falcons, man. Bajan Robinson, uh, Drake London, Kyle Pitts. They just don't use those guys. Which they I, I, I Bijan Robinson is incredible talent. I just Tyler Algiers there. He yeah. had a thousand yards last year. I mean, I I just don't understand that one. I don't either. Uh, and then another one that's interesting is Cleveland at Denver. That's a dang good defense in Cleveland. I mean, I don't know if you saw the press conference of Miles Garrett when he went shirtless in the gray sweatpants. Did if not. You haven't seen that? Google search Heard it. Heard you talking about it. Google search it, and uh, you'll see how impressive of a man uh, Miles Garrett is when you watch that. Um, but I feel like Cleveland, two-point underdogs on the road to Denver. Now, Denver's won four in a row. Russell Wilson, seven touchdowns, zero interceptions, over 650 yards passing. He's going to be running for his life in this game. Like, this is a tough game uh, for, for Russell Wilson in that offensive line, I believe, against a Cleveland secondary and defensive line that is fierce and probably one of the best defensive units in the game. Yeah, I like Cleveland, that defense in this game. I mean, it's going to be a low-scoring game, I think, but I think this defense takes care of uh, Russell Wilson. And what's uh, Cleveland's uh, defense? Miles Garrett's going to be getting to the backfield all the time. He's your defensive player of the year. Yeah, it's good. I like Cleveland this game. Uh, Denver's annoying. 3 o'clock slate's loaded. Loaded. You got Chiefs-Raiders at 325. Rams-Cardinals, which will be an offensive explosion, I believe. Matt Stafford. Kyler Murray's actually looked pretty decent since he's been Good bad. fantasy game. Right. Uh, Buffalo-Philadelphia at Philadelphia. Baltimore at Los Angeles. And then, obviously, Chiefs and Raiders. And then your Sunday night game is the Ravens and Chargers game. The Bills have been the most uh, roller coaster team this year. Where people yeah. don't buy into them. They buy into them. Right. Then they went to London, lose the Jags. People got off the bandwagon. They've been off the bandwagon two weeks ago. It's either Josh Allen throws too many touchdowns, too which many is picks. good, or too many picks, and that's bad. So up and down, Buffalo wins this game, and all of a sudden, to me, you start thinking about it, because right, right now they're not in the postseason. Yeah. But going in this year, I had uh, the Ravens, the Bills, and the Chiefs, the Bengals on that upper tier. Yeah, I think with Buffalo, it was pretty obvious what they had to fix. They got Dalton Kincaid incorporated in that offense much more. They think more. he's the next Kelsey. He is. I don't know if he's Kelsey, but he's that type. He's your Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, TJ Hawkinson, uh, Laporta type of guy that he's going to cause problems on your offense. And when you have a guy like Stefan Diggs, who's getting bracketed almost every single play. And who gets mad does a fit when he doesn't He does. Get. He does. And he lets his brother fight his battles. It is what it is. But, like, if you involve Dalton Kincaid in that offense, it takes pressure off Diggs, which takes pressure off Allen, and then start in – incorporating cook more in the backfield. I get it. He has fumble issues and they don't trust him all the time with McDermott and being a red ass in himself. But man, it looked like getting Ken Dorsey out and getting new ideas in that offense really helped Buffalo last week. Buffalo's sitting there in the eighth spot right now. Obviously they can move up. Houston's uh, sitting there in the sixth. Pittsburgh is the seventh. I think the bills are better than the Steelers. Obviously at that, the bills go and win this game. All of a sudden the national media starts talking Buffalo again until they choke. Yeah. But that's what they do. I mean, just like a couple years ago when they beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead, uh-huh. they go the following week, lose the Titans. Is that, that game of 13 seconds uh-huh. where they can't get it out of their head? Right. Little things stick in their head. 
And then they lose to Urban Meyer back when he was a Jags coach, nine to six. And they had 41 put on him by the Colts at home. Mm-hmm. That's why the game was at Arrowhead Stadium. Should have never been here. Right. The 13 second game should have been in Buffalo, but they find a way to McDermott finds a way to choke. Who's uh, who's been your biggest surprise this year? Is it Carolina being one and nine and getting ready to fire Frank Reich? Is it CJ Stroud? Is it AJ Brown and Tyreek Hill battling for the most yards receiving in the NFL? Like what's it? I, I think a little bit of a CJ Stroud success. Yeah. I like CJ Stroud coming out of the draft, but for Houston already to take these steps like they're doing now. D'Amico Ryan's a hell of a coach, man. You oh, knew yeah. that was gonna be a finally a, a nice Texans fit. coach that doesn't get fired after one yeah, year. Yeah, you knew that was gonna be a nice fit for him. But I think the Ravens, who did make the playoffs last year, because I believed in them. I mean, you look at offense and defense, they're solid. they're solid on both. They might be the most well-rounded team in the NFL. The Eagles, I know they beat the Chiefs. Not as good as they were last year. I think I'm going to get out of here and go put my robe on and drink some brews. It does not surprise me. Sounds like a good Rotel dip day today. You know, a little cheese dip, a little taquito, a little just, you Oh, know. taquito in the Rotel? Oh, yeah. A little dip, a little dunk. Yeah. All right, uh, Hugh. That's right. That's Jay Binkley. You can hear him on the Arrowhead Pride postgame show. He's also on the Chiefs Radio Network pregame show. For Quentin, thank you. I'm Dusty Likens. Go do something nice for somebody today. It can change their day, month, or year. It's cool to care, Kansas City. I love you. Have a great Sunday. Happy Sunday.